Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest is an old friend of mine, Mikey Byrne. Mikey played basketball collegiately at Bergen Community College and Farmingdale State College. He's coached at multiple high schools and colleges and recently finished his first season as assistant coach at New York Institute of Technology. Mikey, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. How's it going? It's good, you know, just being quarantined, hanging out. How's it going for you? Got to stay safe. Got to stay safe. The streets streets are real. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mikey... Our families know each other. You know, we went to elementary school together. Our dads played baseball together when they were younger. We had lockers right next to each other. Yeah. Do you remember that? We go way back. I think um, I think I used to, like, poke you in the eye or something when we were, like, really little, like, one, two years old. I remember I think, that, you jerk. What'd you, you your, I guess your grandparents lived up the block from me or something, and then, like, my yeah. dad's boyhood idol was your dad, and my boyhood idol was... Your brother, so we, and then our lockers were, I used to torture you. Yeah, you freaking that, uh... would take the lock when I was at <laughs> my locker, and you'd flip it and lock it. You were the most <laughs> annoying locker buddy ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember you poked him in the eye. I think my dad yeah. told me that story. I think I'm going like, to poke you in the eye in, like, sixth grade, too. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah, yeah. No, you got to keep it, got to keep it light in the, the science wing, you know? <laughs> But, you know, in all seriousness, I know how obsessed you are with the sport of basketball. And I'm so proud of this career that you've made for yourself. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an obsession, all right. So <laughs> just trying to, you know, grind it out like we are all doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you grew up in Maywood, New Jersey. How did you get into basketball? Well, I started really young. Um, and my dad, as you know, my dad kind of ran the basketball in town. Um, and your dad being super involved too. And it just kind of really started in my backyard and then, you know, watching Michael Jordan and he's getting his last couple of rings and I'm watching TV. And then my dad's super competitive and now I'm just in the backyard shooting and getting good. So I was actually like really good, really young. And I remember there was like a pivotal moment where I don't know how old I was, like maybe like five or six. So now my dad, like loving your dad. And your dad being, like, a really good athlete. So, like, I'm, like, you know, getting shots up in the backyard. And your brother was, like, this stud uh, player at Hackensack. I think he was, like, early on in his high school days. And uh, you're, like, dad comes over to my backyard just to kind of, like, check me out. Maybe, like, give my dad the seal of approval. Like, your, your kid's pretty good. Like, you could shoot a little bit. So I'm pretty good. But now, like, my dad's, like, built this up in my head. Like, you know, Mr. Burke's coming over, you know. You get ready, cause wait, wait till Mr. Burke's coming over. So I'm, I'm come. Your, your dad comes over. And I don't like, like I know your dad, but I'm still like a little kid who's like kind of shy or about as like shy as I'll, I'll ever be. And I'm like draining shots, like got like white hot, like hitting shots. I'm like looking at your dad. Your dad's like very just like quietly nodding in approval, but not giving too much. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling it. But it's uh, it's funny how it comes full circle. That's so funny. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a big moment for me. Wow. You're make, in that story, you're making my dad out to be this, like, scary figure when he's, like, the softest no, teddy bear. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was like, yeah, your dad's the nicest, but it was like your dad was such a good athlete. And then my dad was like, listen, Mr. Burke's coming over. He's got a son who's really good. Mr. Burke was a hell of an athlete himself. Like, 
don't mess this one up. So thankfully, uh, my six, seven-year-old self got a little hot in the backyard, you know? <laughs> well, he'll like to hear that. Recently, like a few days ago, my two-year-old niece informed him that Pop is not good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. I haven't seen your parents in so long. Yeah, well, come on so, over. And you, you apparently are at my apartment complex all the time, and you don't come hang out with me. I'm the worst. I'm like, the, I mean, how long? This has been like seven months trying to get on this podcast. I get a little caught up with the season, and then, you know. Yeah, just no, I don't blame you. You had the season. Yeah. You, know what's another, you know what's another funny story is? I don't know when it was. Um, I think your mom was, like, teaching at maybe memorial school or something, or yeah, she was subbing or something for a day. I don't know what she was doing, but she was the gym teacher. So now we're playing like kickball in, in, uh, on the backfield. And um, I don't know what, like a ground ball got hit to me and the, the girl at first base couldn't catch it. So I just sprinted it over and like tagged the base to um, beat the runner. Cause I was, you know, I was trying not to throw it to the girl who couldn't catch on at first base. Was that me and at I first beat- base? No, 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 <laughs> first base. You, you, you play yourself down. You're a good athlete. Oh, but your mom, you. your mom, because she was teaching me the right thing to do, called whoever kicked it safe. <laughs> when they were clearly out. I was like, Miss Bob, what? Like, this is, she, she was out. And uh, your mom was just like, no, you have to throw it. Like, you have to share my game. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. She, they probably don't even remember, but these are two big moments. Me and the Burke family. Yeah, wow. Age. and as you said your dad really ran the town program which was what like kindergarten through eighth grade yeah yeah he he uh i guess i don't know if he ran i think he just ran the basketball yeah sorry that's what i mean basketball yeah and then we just have we had like a really thankfully for him uh we had a real good group of kids coming at that time and then you know, my dad's like a polarizing figure, so it's either like you love him or you hate him. But like, we won a lot of games, and he was a lunatic. But I guess it, uh, I guess that's where I got the passion from. For sure. You but know. you know, during the weekends when our town would have basketball games, they'd be from early in the morning to late afternoon. And after you played, you didn't just go home and sit in front of the TV. You stayed at the gym and helped wherever you were needed, whether it be keeping the stat book or running the clock or possession arrow. You probably helped at the concession stand some. Oh, uh, yeah, we were we were hustling. I definitely probably refed a couple of your games, even though we were the, the same age. You probably did a horrible um, job. Oh, terrible. Ter- well, you know, I would, I would, like, shave time off the clock so the games would get over quick because <laughs> I just wanted to shoot in between the games. Oh, uh, but it was, you know what, it was good just to know, like, you, you want to you want to get good at something. You got to be around it all the time. You want to you know you want to be a good basketball player. You got to get shots up all the time. Just those those weekends are very. I'm sure the same for you. Were very fun growing up, where you just you're basically locked in a gym all day long. We would like set up TVs in the, the science lab so we could watch March Madness when it was that time of the year, like a giant game was on. Uh, you know, if you, you got to be around it, you know, you got to be in it to win it. So we were we're definitely in the gym. The whole weekend, pretty much every weekend t- till high school or so. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I have to say, though, you were terrible at the clock. In, like, oh, yeah. fifth grade, you were running the clock for us, and you lost the game for us because there was a couple <laughs> seconds left before halftime, and you didn't hit it right away. So they had, like, ten seconds when they really should have had five, 
and this girl drains a three that she'll, she'll probably never hit again in her life. <laughs> and then we end up losing by three when that shot never should have even went off. So thanks no, for I that. wasn't. I, I think you got uh, eight bucks for doing the book and eight bucks for doing the clock. So I would finagle it where I would do both. So I'd get 16 bucks an hour. I was like, you know, whatever, sixth, seventh grade kid, you think you're, you know, you're raking it in. It's like fifth so grade. I, so yeah, younger. I, I wasn't even paying attention. I was probably just talking to somebody or just not paying attention at all. Or didn't care, just wanted the game to get over with so I get out of there. Probably, but uh, it's a loss in fifth grade that I, I still remember. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I was better. <laughs> <laughs> and you were always the point guard throughout our childhood. What did you like about that position? Well, I didn't really have much cho- much choice being, you know, I was a really little guy, like a late, big-time late bloomer. Um, so I was so little and tiny that uh, I was, that was probably my only shot. Thankfully, I could shoot it a little bit young, and, and I was very fundamentally sound. As were you. You were really fundamentally sound, really young. Oh, thanks. Um, but I didn't really have much of a choice, but the point guard is probably the best position in sports. Maybe that or, or quarterback, you know, it's an, and it's probably how I transitioned into coaching so seamlessly because, um, you know, point guard, you're an extension of the coach and uh, you got to got to be the mouthpiece for the team. And, you know, the guy who speaks to the refs, hopefully respectfully, which I don't think I was doing much when I was in sixth grade, <laughs> but you're, you know, it's I'm a control freak. So everything comes from you. You control tempo. You control pace. Um, you're running the offense. You're determining what defense they're in and this is you know all this happening young is i'm problem solving on the fly at a young age so it kind of helped me dissect the game maybe a little quicker as far as transitioning into coaching like you know i'm still early in my coaching year so i thought it helped me out a little bit early you know yeah definitely and when you look at coaches today a lot of them were former point guards as you just mentioned yeah i mean i i think it's i think it's, um, you know, maybe you didn't, you're playing a point. Maybe you were like super, you were deficient athletically, but you were super heady and, and, and sound in other ways. So you kind of had to overcome your, in my case, lack of height and athleticism by just being like really tough and competitive and scrappy and playing angles and, you know, really just kind of thinking the game through. So I think that's probably the reason why and then you know and then you become a coach and then who do you fall in love with when you're out on the road recruiting the the the, the kid with the athleticism that you never have <laughs> <laughs> but you also probably appreciate the kid that doesn't have that athleticism but has that basketball iq oh without i mean i think that's like the big contradiction um is that you know you get wowed by the highlight tape the you know the highlight plays um, the guy that can touch the top of the backboard, but maybe doesn't know how to play basketball. Like he's, he, you know, he, he can jump out at you one play, but you don't win games with guys like that necessarily all the time. It's the guys that got good feel that have all the, you know, the intangibles. Cause that it, intangibles win more than talent does. Honestly, like you need a combination of guys, high character kids. You need some talent. Um, but you need guys that, not only are super competitive, but guys that are like super cooperative. And sometimes these kids, you know, they're very talented young, so they're very entitled young. And then now it's very hard for them to buy into a team concept because with the AAU model, it's very me, 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 uh, what's in it for me. 
uh, that well, at least that's the model that exists today. So it's it, it sometimes it becomes harder to win with those guys that are maybe a little more talented early on, you know. Yeah, and you know when you look at the past few NCAA champions for the men's te- for the men's side, a lot of the teams with one and dones don't end up winning it. Now, sure, sometimes it works in 2012 with Kentucky. In 2015, I guess with Duke, though they did have some some older guys, but Virginia, all you know, juniors and seniors, great basketball IQ. My dad's beloved Villanova squads, oh, yeah. great basketball IQ. Carolina in 2017, those those yeah. guys were older. Well, you get the listen. It's it's. I don't think that players peak at at, at 17, 18, 19. You know, I think it's usually late 20s, mid 20s, sometimes 30s for some of these guys if you stick with it, which most guys don't do unless they're playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but 24, 24, 25 is going to be 18, 19 pretty much every time, you know, with the exception yeah. of the, you know, the Kentucky, the one on one and done generational talents that have came through with, with Cal Perry over there. Um, but you get older kids, you get them for four or five years. Some kids redshirt, some kids transfer at the city year. And then, um, you know, it's just another year with the program, everyone being on the same page. It's uh, you know, who was um, Jay Wright talking about Archie Diacono. He was like a, just another member of the staff, basically. Like he didn't even have to say anything to him. Like, I remember seeing an interview about that. So it's just yeah. you get guys that are there for that long. It's you, you, all you have to do is give them a look and they already know you, you, have, you know, you, you're communicating nonverbally rather than wasting your breath and you can use that energy elsewhere. Exactly. So that's definitely the reason, you know, just in, in the, the time invested and spent with teams usually wind up being beating teams that have only been together for a couple of months. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And like I said, Virginia, those guys have been together for a while. Yeah, Zion, they lost in the elite eight to, to Michigan state who those guys had been together for a while. Yeah. it's, you know, as far as Virginia, what they do, it's like they're very mover block oriented on offense. And then they, you know, Tony Bennett runs his pack line. So it's all principles, principles, principles. And like the the more time you spend with those principles as a team day to day in practice, it's it's inevitable. You're going to be better than guys that are, you know, just trying to make a run at the tournament and then, you know, get paid to play basketball after three months of three, four months of really investing with a group of guys that are going to be gone in a year anyways. Yeah. So. Couldn't agree more. So Mikey, let's get to your time in high school. When you get to high school, you choose to attend the private school Bergen Catholic and freshman year. You're again coached by your father who you had been coached all your life at that point. How did that go? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, my dad's a fiery Irish guy. Um, so just from him coaching me my whole life, I don't know if it was the, it was, it was good in the sense that I'd always been coached by him. Um, so it was, it was more of the same. Um, you know, I knew most of the kids locally and I was very good locally at that time. So I I knew the kids that were, uh, I was playing with. Um, I guess my, my dad wound up coaching there cause he had brought a couple kids that came through Maywood that had wound up going to Bergen Catholic and that was the connection. So then he comes on staff, starts coaching the freshman team. I'm playing for him. Um, I think it was good. I think we had a good run. I think we lost in the final four or something. 
uh, that freshman year, but it was definitely, you know, interesting, maybe toxic at times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was more of the same. Yeah, I guess it was a cool experience. Not many guys get to say that, that they get to be coached by their dad in high school. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And then midway through high school, you decide that you want to go to a public school, so you transfer to Woodridge High School. Yeah. How was the team? And was that the first time that you weren't coached by your dad? Well, I, I guess what? My sophomore year at Bergen, I played JV, so I was coached by another guy, uh, Coach C.J. Connolly, who actually oh. passed away. Great guy. Um, and then I was that. called up to varsity towards the end of that season just to sit, you know, sit for states and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Again, I was really little, so I was like probably like five foot, five foot four, five foot five as a sophomore. Um, so then, you know, my parents got divorced, and it was just it wound up working out where I wound up going to Woodridge. Um, and it was run and gun style. It was like really conducive to me where it was just kind of like, here's the ball, go make plays. We're going to get up and down. Um, and we're going to put up shots early in the shot clock. This was like the onset of Mike D'Antoni, seven seconds or less. And, uh, coach Eddie Renzio really embraced that. And it was, you know, it was very, uh, it was a very seamless transition, you know, and I was, I was by no means an easy kid to coach <laughs> in a high school. I was a super diff, difficult and volatile and probably a pain in the neck, you know, but he was a really good guy. It was a good experience. Um, nice. And, uh, you know, it was definitely fun. It's always fun to play, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And were you the point guard for Woodridge? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we would we would get it up and down. We were bombing threes. I mean, Woodridge was known before uh, Coach Rock left. Uh, Coach and Woodridge known for just high scoring games at uh, I think it's Group One or Group Two, and getting up and down, and then winning a game or two in the county tournament. So it was definitely uh, it was definitely fun and seamless. Nice. Any other highlights from high school you want to talk about? Um. Oh, yeah, I, I guess it was all league. I had a couple of triple doubles. I, I think I had a game wow. winner. I don't know if nice. it was. Um, I don't know if it was our middle school principal, Mr. Bauer. Was he? He might have been refing the game where I hit the game winner. I didn't even know he was a ref. Yeah. Wow. Or or I or I might be confusing games. Or he. I think he got me into foul trouble early in the game, and I was pissed. <laughs> so I had like two fouls. I'm out for the whole first half. And then I don't know who we were playing that wasn't very good that we shouldn't have been in the game with. And then I came in the fourth quarter, hit a floater. It wasn't even like an, a celebration. It was like everybody was so relieved and exacerbated that we had been in the game with this bad team. And like, yeah, Mikey, you hit the runner, but like we're going to go run and practice after this because his coach is not happy. Oh, gosh. That stinks. Yeah, you but have the, I, your I, moment. <laughs> It's apparently yeah, not a good one. Yeah, and Mr. Bauer was there, and he got me a foul trouble. I don't think I spoke to Mr. Bauer for like three years after that. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, small world. After high school, you played two years of basketball at Bergen Community College. Did, before that, had you gotten interest to play – any division, or how am I going to put that? That's that's a bad way to say that question. No, that's 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 completely fair. That's completely fair. Uh, I was I was definitely getting sniffed around by some D threes and like preferred walk on at some D ones, but I did not have my stuff together. I did not have good grades, um, so you're not 
really going to look to go out of your way for a five foot ten little guard uh, who doesn't have his stuff together, which I didn't. Um, so then I wound up playing at Burden Community, which actually wound up being a good fit because they were like two nationally. Uh, wow. Junior colleges, like preseason as I was entering and playing. So they were recruiting and all that stuff. And I weaseled my way in. I had to go to like an open tryout. And obviously, like, people knew me locally. Um, so I came in tryout. I was like starting by like the second game. And it was uh, a really good experience. And it's funny because now I, my coach was over there, Coach Kelly. I'm actually recruiting one of his kids. At the oh, junior nice. college, he's teaching. Uh, he's coaching at now, so it all comes for a full circle. And uh, yeah, that's how I got. That's how I got there. Real positive experience, and it was, you know, it was just again, if you can distribute the ball and run the show, like co- coaches are going to have a spot for you. Yeah, um, and you end up at you transferred to Division Three Farmingdale State in Long Island. Yeah. What, what was it about that school and program that made you pick them? Well, I was, at a, I was at a showcase. I was actually getting recruited by a couple schools. Um, and it was definitely an unorthodox route I took, like, coming out of high school. Like, I took a year off. Um, then I played at Bergen Community. And then uh, the, the coach left Bergen Community. And then I wound up getting to Farmingdale through, like, some showcase. I played well at some showcase and stood out. It was in, like, the city somewhere. I don't know where it was. Maybe the Bronx. Um, so then I came in there. Wound up playing there the first semester, got hurt, and then the way everything was going where, like, I was, I was all this time I was coaching and training, and I was bouncing around from house to house, so I was, like, completely, like, on my own financially. So I, I did a semester, and then I was just out of – I was done playing and completely into coaching, and I started coaching at Bergen Catholic, and this kind of started the, the whole thing. Finished the rest of my college online and just got right into it earlier. Oh, wow. So yeah. what was the injury you sustained? I don't even, it wasn't even that big. I don't even, it was like, I think it was, I like sprained my ankle for like two, three weeks. And then I got like pink eye for like two, three weeks. And now this, now it's like December 1st and division three, you're not, you're not on scholarship. You were getting, you know, I was getting like a little bit of money because I was like an out of state kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was paying for it all myself, like out of pocket freshness. I was like training kids, earning money. So I just was like, listen, this doesn't make sense financially. Um, and then I like I moved back to Englewood in Jersey and then just, you know, was continued hustling, training, coaching AAU teams, coaching at Burton Catholic, and then this kind of started the whole, uh, he, he, this is what I'm, where I'm destined to go anyways, you know. It's not like I was playing professionally or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it's forced me to grow up maybe quicker than I wanted to, but definitely uh, – you know, in, in throwing me to the wolves earlier than maybe I was prepared to or ready to, it definitely kind of got me, got the ball rolling as what exactly do you want to do here, kid? You know? Yeah, I mean, you knew what you wanted to do young. So Ooh, you're yeah. right. Like, in a way, it's a little unconventional, the route you took, but it led you to what you wanted to do all along. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> and then I, like, I, I, um, I'm coaching at Bergen for a year or two. I got a JV team. I got all these Division One kids that I'm in contact with. And then I'm like, all right, well, maybe I need to go into business. Maybe this is like 22, 23. I'm like, maybe I need to go into business, sniffed around that, like real estate and just like making money, like going into, uh, you know, the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And then about like six, eight months of that, I was like, listen, this is, if I got to 
if I'm going to do this, I can always come back to it. But, like, I got to – if I'm going to do this coaching thing, I got to do it now while I'm young, take a crack at it now while I don't have kids or a family or a wife yelling at me. So <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's give this a shot now while we can. So and, Bergen was your first job? Uh, well, Bergen was my first uh, – yes, my first high school job. So I was, like – I was even, like, kind of, like, working with the guys as I was still playing and – and training because it was all through like the same AAU program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I was coaching a bunch of AAU teams and I had a, probably like five, 600 games coached under my belt by the time I was like 20, which was really good. Wow. That's um, amazing. So it, it, I already kind of knew this is where it was going. And then I'm like 21 and I'm coaching at Bergen. Uh, I think I did like two years as a varsity assistant. We like won a county championship. Then I got the JV team. And then uh, bounced and did a year at Dwight Englewood and then Rutgers for two years. And I'm at New York, uh, New York Tech right now. And just, you know, you got to be mobile with this college coaching game. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you're kind of like running past it. I do want to talk about each shop along the way, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, no, go do your thing. All do good. Your thing. The place you trained at was called Hoop Dreams, a training company that former basketball player and current head coach at Bergen Catholic, Billy Armstrong, owned. Did he own it? Yes, yeah, he, uh, owner, operator, founder, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Nice. And was your only duty there basically training kids, or did you have any other duties? No, no. I mean, I was running camps, clinics, um, uh, camps, clinics. I was running group lessons. I was running private lessons. Um, I was coaching his AAU teams. Uh, we would have like summer leagues and spring leagues and, uh, we'd go, you know, we'd, we'd go on a weekend to a tournament or two and bounce around. But I was, uh, I was definitely working under him and just kind of the young hungry guy who was just filling in the blanks. Um, but as far as like basketball and just like learning how to coach and, learning the X's and O's behind the game and just being around a really good positive figure at that time for, uh, you know, a troubled kid like me, like 20, 21 years old, he was like the perfect guy for me to be around and just taught me so much. And, you know, I owe a lot to him. That's great. And then you mentioned after Bergen, you go to another high school, Dwight Englewood. Why yeah. did you move? And what was it about Dwight Englewood that was enticing? Well, I guess the move was... I was young and impatient, but looking back, it's probably still the, the right move. So I'm like 20, I think it was like 23 or 24. And not, it's not that long ago. Uh, 23 yeah, or 24. Like 2016. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to be a head coach. And, you know, Billy's obviously was going to be at Bergen forever, um, as he should. So I, Dwight Englewood, uh, the job came offered to me. Uh, there was an older gentleman there coaching there. Uh, Bob Rudolph and I was like his associate head coach. So he was an older guy. So I was doing like all the in-game coaching and I was very involved. And then Dwight Engel was this very uh, wealthy, prestigious prep school right by the city. Um, so it was, uh, there was a lot of talent there and I thought I was going to come, you know, eventually take over the, uh, the reins and like build like some big powerhouse there. Um, and then like after the year, a lot of the kids were leaving cause it was, it wasn't the, it wasn't in that good of a league. Um, and then I was just like, I had a couple other high school jobs that opened up where I could have stayed there. And I was just like, you know what, let me go 
wound up coaching at Rutgers, and it was definitely a good move just to kind of get into the college ranks rather than keep going through the high school stuff. Yeah, and you go to Rutgers Newark, a Division three school in the NJAC Conference, which is the conference my brother Kyle played in yep. at TCNJ. Yep, yeah, we played them twice a year. Nice. How uh, did you like that conference? An awesome conference. Awesome. Yeah, really talented. Tons of talent. Uh, you get a lot of Division One guys on the bounce back. Uh, yeah, there's great facilities, great coaching, really all the way through. It's probably a, probably a top, top five, top three Division Three conference in the nation. Um, yeah, coach Lockman over there has done a great job. And then again, it's just I wanted to go under coaches where I could just take all the good that they have. And I wanted to be able to apply that to my repertoire of, you know, of being a coach. So I'm just still, still to this day and probably still forever, just trying to absorb and be a sponge to as many coaches as humanly possible that have done a really good job and have built programs. Cause you know, ultimately that's the goal. Yeah. It's a, you know, good way to look at it. Just keep learning and working and uh, that'll be you one day running, running things. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> But tell me what the difference is, the main difference between coaching high school kids and coaching college kids. Uh, I think it's just you're you're more involved with the day-to-day of the school. Like, you know, are our kids going to class? Um, Are kids – how are kids doing with their teachers? I'm getting emails from teachers if the kid's doing well in the class. It's more the day-to-day of a student athlete than it was for me coaching high school. Like coaching high school, it would just, you know, the kids went to school, went to practice. Um, you did as much as you can for the time. But as far as college and being there every day with them and pretty much all day with them, it's just you – it's it's different. You know what I mean? It's more they're, – they're a little bit more mature – or, you know, the kids are just at a different age in their development. You have to coach them a little bit. You have to communicate with them differently. Um, but it's, it's uh, this, this is kind of the way it is. So it's, you, you, go, you keep going up the ranks. The kids are older. They're more talented most of the time. And just it's a daily, daily grind as far as staying on top of them, the film breakdown, the scouts. It's just everything you're doing, you're doing more of it, and you're doing it at a higher level. And as you're coaching college, you're still doing training on the side, right? Uh, yeah, not as much. Very, like, very minimal. Um, so it's a lot of, you'll, I'll do some younger kids or sneak in when I can and coach an AAU team here or there. But it's, uh, it, the, the college season, as you know, as far as just getting this podcast together, it pretty much consumes you. Yeah. Um, and then after the season, you have recruiting. Yeah. Hey, but, but that's, it's, it's why it's, it's a full-time gig. So it absolutely is. But between chasing kids down for uh, to, to get them into cl- to get them to class, and then on the road recruiting, and then practice planning and scouting, and then uh, you got a road trip, and then you're on the road, road recruiting. It's very uh, it's thankless at times, but you know it's obviously rewarding when you win a big game or you, you get the results you want. Absolutely. But it's a grind. It's definitely a grind. Definitely, and I think. The coronavirus is the only way I would get you on the podcast because, you know, I know you work hard. I know you're out there hustling, so. Yeah, this is crazy, though. And it's, it it, is. It's, it's going to, um, I mean, there's 
the NCAA came down and they backed up, um, shut down all recruiting till April 15th, which probably is going to get pushed back even further. Probably. Um, and then you, no one can sign letters of intent till April 15th. Um, there's no in-person recruiting, like I said, and it's, it's going to definitely shake things up. And kids are, I don't know if kids might wind up falling a level lower than they should have or going, a, you know, it's, it's definitely throwing a wrench in this whole thing for kids trying to get college paid for or get to a right school or a right program where they're, they'd be shopping and now season's done and there's, you, you, we have no idea what's going on. No one does. Yeah, really. that's true. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. Yeah, so it's um, Final Four was obviously shut down. There's the big NABC convention and all those coaches clinics and all those big networking meetings. So every, it's for the coaches too. It's everything shut down and there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. And then pretty much all recruiting is done over the phone. So it's calling, texting, everything's just on the phone. It's you know. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, but it's I guess this could be the new normal. So can't complain yeah, at about least for it. A while. You just gotta adapt. Yeah. Absolutely. Before when you trained more, I guess, so before you were a college coach, when you trained kids and coached high schools, you had a lot of kids go on to play at very successful, well-known D1 programs. Can you talk about a few of them and where they ended up? Oh, they, I mean, there's... There's a lot. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Um, I guess there's Kevin Marfo would be one who's at Quinnipiac, who's... Uh, Probably going to grad transfer. Uh, there's Zach Fremantle, who's at Xavier. Matt Zona, who's going to Notre Dame. Tyson Tien, who's at uh, Wichita State. Doug Edder, who's at St. Peter's. Taj Benning, who's at Iona. Uh, just to name a few. But there's a. It's it's really nice when you get to see these kids young. Some of these kids I had since like third, fourth grade. You know, being a younger coach, like 17, 18, and they're third, fourth grade, and then we, everyone kind of grows up together, and now they're on TV, and it's, it's, it's very cool and really rewarding. You know, I know you don't take full credit, but some of that credit goes to you coaching them at a young age. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of coaches that, you know, they try to dub it as they, they brought them to the promised land, but the reality is a lot of these kids, you can tell the first time in dealing with them, it's like, all right, this kid is – this kid is, you know, destined for success. He's going to be big time. Look at his skill set. Look at his work ethic. You know, what, what, what parents don't know is, you, you know, do the parents get it? The parents are getting evaluated too. Are the parents on board? Are the parents invested to drive these kids to AAU tournaments and get them working out? Because a lot of these parents going through this whole AAU model, it's uh, you become glorified chauffeurs just driving these kids to places. So some parents are able to do it. Some parents aren't. Some parents that aren't have to have, you know, people in their camp or that could really, you know, help these kids get to where they got to go. And it, it takes a village. So yeah, by, no, by, no, by no means do, uh, you know, I'm sure you have a little bit of an impact and conversation when you keep in touch. And uh, some of these kids, they're like my little brothers, you, as far as as much as I talk to them and see them. But it's they were they were getting there regardless, you know, uh, very so, modest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 2019, you accepted an assistant coaching job at D2, New York Institute of Technology in Long Island. This past season was your first. The team went 7-22. and 22. How was your experience? Oh, awesome. Like, absolutely awesome. Um, it just similar to 
other stops, it was there was only up from where the program was. So you kind of get in at the you got it you get in at the ground floor and then you start rebuilding and culture cultivating and defining roles and putting systems in place. So that part was really cool. The program had was coming off one win the season prior, uh, two wins, which like we don't even count when we talk about it, like coaches in a locker room. They had two wins versus uh, a dispanning program, uh, LIU Post shut down. So mm. I get they basically had a bunch of walk on. So coming off one win and we thought we could sneak into playoffs. We did. We snuck in the playoffs, even with seven wins, just as far as our league wow. record and some of our strength of schedule wins. Um, but just the the grind and the recruiting and, you know, getting kids on board and getting kids that maybe haven't been around, uh, you know, a, a program that's really serious about taking it to the next level and growing. It was really cool to just kind of put a stamp on it, put it in place get in the, in a rebuild year, sneak in the playoffs, and now we can build off that and kind of start generating some momentum. Nice. And do you think you have that momentum? I mean, coronavirus aside, I know that kind of is tricky, but say the season starts when it's supposed to with the recruiting that's supposed to happen, whatever. Do you think the team will be even more successful in 2021? Yeah, I, with, I mean, without question, just as far as, um, you know, time spent and, Go. You still got to go through preseason. You got to hope everyone stays healthy. Um, we got one real big uh, signee already committed. Um, we got a lot of scholarship space. Just now, it's just a matter of getting the guys that we want to sign and getting them in, and hopefully they're the right guys. And then we can really just add on to the momentum we built finishing the season. And let's just keep double, you know, double up. Let's flip it. So we went from one to seven. Let's go from seven to fourteen or twenty-one. It's like if you if we can make baby steps, great. If we can make big leaps, big jumps, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be. And you've got the biggest NYIT fan in me. <laughs> I love it. Love <laughs> it. Maywood Strong. Maywood exactly. Strong. What, what locker was it? Uh, what were we locker? Uh, I don't remember. Four ninety. Four ninety or something. <laughs> oh God, I have no clue. Well, That's weird know. that you even kind yeah, of remember. I, I, no, it's just, it's just, I got a sick memory. <laughs> I just remember you were a pain in the ass. That's the only Absolutely. thing I remember. Oh, yeah. I would torture you. I was like, can yeah. I change my last name so I don't have to be near this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it would be, I rem- it would be after, after homeroom. I remember always being at the locker and just busting your chops and running rampant in the hallways, being an idiot, sixth yeah, or seventh grade, whatever grade we were in. I remember you always wearing and one gear ball, because ball you were such life. a big basketball fan. Well, it was well KG came out. It, KG had the and one mad handle shoes. So it was like the big and one craze with hot sauce and the professor. Um, <laughs> and then KG had these shoes and I, I love these shoes. Obviously I wore them every day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and one was the real deal back in the day. People, people forget about that. It was on ESPN and everything. Street ball. Yeah. You went to a, co- a coaching conference at the 2019 Final Four, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was there this past year uh, in Minneapolis. Um, Would that you have gone? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, we go ahead, Mikey. Set. No, we were all set. It was uh, all set to be held in Atlanta. Our flights were booked. Our hotel was booked. And then Corona came and uh, shut the whole thing down. 
But last year was last year was super cool, and it, it's it's basically um, it's really cool because it's almost like uh, it's like a, a bar scene, but with college coaches. So you'll see, yeah. like you know, like you you go out in Hoboken or the city, and you know you see guys coming out of the bar, coming across the, sh- the street, but it's you know Calipari instead of just some random guy. So that it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's really cool, and the the people that spoke at the convention were really. Um, really did a good job and it just kind of reiterates the same stuff in different ways. You know, at the end of the day, basketball is a simple game. You just got to put it in the basket more than the other team. And, you know, it's as complicated as coaches, myself included, try to make it. It's like, let's get guys that'll run through a wall for us and run through a wall for each other. And let's score more points than the other team. Let's try to stop them from doing that. And uh, let's get to work. That's awesome. So the big dream for you, Mikey, is it to be at a Power Five Division One school as head coach? Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that being an assistant, you know, definitely prepares you to be a head coach. But it's like it, all good head coaches coach like assistant coaches. Mm-hmm, so, you exactly. know what I mean? So like they're in the mix, um, in the brunt of it. You know, they're like the first line of defense. Um, obviously, the goal is to be a head coach and to be a head coach at the biggest school possible. And listen, you got to wait. You got to wait your turn. And thankfully for me, I think it, coaching is trending where the age of the coaches are starting to be a little bit younger. But I was f- fully aware that, like, you know, 25-year-old guys aren't get, really getting head coaching jobs too often. So you got to kind of be there for the long haul and grind it out and keep going. Exactly. Keep working hard. And I said power five. I don't think the big East is considered the power five, but I know you'd absolutely take oh, like, yeah. a on. job in the big East. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're not power five, but they probably had the best basketball conference in 2020. They're still power. I mean, to, to, yeah. to technically speaking, they're not power five, but the big East is the big East is the big East. So I think it's, it's making uh, what they do that documentary a couple years ago, the requeen for the big East. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's kind of trending back that way where the Big East has been gone for the last couple of years. And now it's like it's it's going to come back. It's inevitable. There's a need for it on the East Coast. And uh, I mean, there's is there is there really anything better than Big East conference tournament at the Garden? No, it's great. Except I've gone every year except <laughs> this year, obviously. Yeah, I was t- I was telling you the other day um, I snuck in the, the last day of college basketball that Wednesday. Uh, I just went right over there. Probably like the worst spot to go for coronavirus. Probably. Um, went right right to the garden and saw like the last two games. And then the next morning they played a half and shut it down. Yeah. And I was scheduled to go on Friday. And you texted me. You're like, there's no way they're playing Friday. No, you're not yeah, going. And you're right. It's over. We, we actually thought there was going to be no crowd on Wednesday. Um, and it was like super empty and eerie. And then slowly it was St. John's was playing. So. By the oh, yeah, middle of the first half, it started to fill up, and it felt like a regular, uh, you know, Big East tournament. But Friday is always the best day. I mean, oh, for no, sure. no the question. semifinal. The it was going to be hopeful, you know, depending had they won on Thursday, it was going to be Nova versus Seton Hall. What what more can you ask for? Oh, I know you were. I know you were rooting for Nova. Well, of course, my were. dad went there. He played <laughs> baseball there. Of course. <laughs> Do you know I still? Um, I guess from the Villanova ties of your dad, I was like obsessed with Terry Kittles growing up. Oh, 
Oh, my brothers were obsessed and, with and, the, and him, too. And I was too. probably obsessed with Carrie Kittles because your brother was obsessed with Carrie Kittles. Probably. You um, want to be like him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I, I still got, like, so much Carrie Kittle memorabilia. And, like, people, like, see it. They were like, what are you? Who is that? I'm like, Carrie Kittles? How do you not know Carrie Kittles? Oh, that's I mean, amazing. You got you to gotta know who Carrie Kittles is. But I, I, I saw him in, um, I think he's getting a, uh, some FaceTime at, on that new Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, nice. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, it's going to be Is really that coming good. out soon? I think so. I mean, I, nice. they're probably trying to put it out early because everyone's just kind of sitting around watching TV now with this. Yeah, nothing else to do. Yeah. That and that, bang out some podcasts, right? Hey, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to do. I keep reaching out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, I like to end the podcast with some fun questions. Does that sound good to you? Awesome. Awesome. First question. What's the most embarrassing song on your phone? Ooh, uh, Party in the USA, Miley uh, Cyrus. Nice. Great song, though. Awesome song. It is a song. good song. That's not even that embarrassing. Yeah, it's not that. that, that I don't know why, but <laughs> it's a great song. I'm not ashamed. It is. <laughs> What's a talent you have that not many people know about? Oh, I'm, I don't know. I'm usually, anything I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty loud about it. <laughs> um, I'm actually really good at ping pong. Oh, that's a really good one. Really good at ping pong, um, and I'm pretty good at mini golf. Nice. That's I'm other. horrible at mini golf. I stink at real golf, but mini golf, I'm good. Actually, mini- I have a funny, funny story about mini golf. I'll keep it on the podcast. I don't care. Yeah. I was in Lake George in like sixth grade with the Watts family. We were we were there, my my parents, me, and the Wattses, and we played miniature golf. And my dad didn't think I was trying hard enough, so he, like, yelled at me for it. He's like, why don't you try hard? He's like, Jesus, it's mini golf. It's vacation. Settle down. It's the the fiery Irish in him. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, yeah, I, like, hate mini golf to this this day, thanks to him. He ruined it. (laughs) No, mini golf's awesome. They're just, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you the last time I played, so I'm probably not good anymore, but I'm still coasting off my my previous accomplishments in my younger years. I'm I'm horrible at it. It's not that I wasn't trying hard. I was just bad. My dad couldn't conceive that I was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey. Last question. What's your favorite movie? Oh, I was just talking. Uh, I wouldn't say my favorite, but Shawshank Redemption's got to be up there. It, oh, it just, classic. Just came out back out on Netflix. So, Ooh, yeah, I, I don't know if it gets do. enough. Uh, love with the all-time greats. Um, what else is up there? Um, Goodfellas is obviously up there. Because uh, I don't think Casino gets as much love as maybe it should with all those mob movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say Casino's an underrated one that I really like that maybe most people don't give enough love. And Shawshank, I feel like people people forget about that. Um, that's gold. All right, nice. And speaking of the mob, have you seen The Irishman? Yeah, what'd you think? I didn't see it. I heard it was four hours. I was like, nah. It was, it should have been done 20 years ago. Really slow and methodical. I feel like everybody, uh, everybody aged. So, like, not, not in a bad way. They're still, like, awesome actors. But I feel like even, like, Scorsese aged where it was just, like, maybe a little, little old, a little out of touch, not too realistic, like at least the fight scenes, but mm-hmm. almost so realistic where it got a little drawn out at parts. Um, right. Kind of like, uh, I guess, 
when Tarantino gets knocked for some of his drawn out movies and dialogue, it was kind of similar to that. But it was it was good. It wasn't great. Okay. Good yeah, I don't know good. if I, I'll dedicate four hours, even in this coronavirus. No, no. Yeah, I put on the Irishman if I want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Mikey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had such a fun time catching up with you. Not as much fun as flipping your locker back in uh, sixth grade. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. But, no, awesome. but I mean it. I, I know you're going to do great things. I know you're a hard worker. You're going to keep building. I'm excited to see what happens. Of course. Of course. So we'll, we'll keep going, and you're killing it with your podcast, so keep doing your thing. Thank you. And I know you got some big guests coming up, so pump Yeah, a couple good ones. Oh, they're all good. (laughs) (laughs) And if you see someone heckling you next year at an NYIT game, it's not me. Don't worry. You you got to call me. I'll get you some seats. I'll get you some tips. Yeah, do it. Three tips. Can't beat it. Yeah, I'm sure my dad would love to go, too. Oh, of course. Of course. You know, carte blanche for you and your family, so. Oh, great. I won't (laughs) invite my mom, though, you know? And out's an out. (laughs) <laughs> no, she's I'm not. gonna go tell her that she'll laugh. What? Yeah. No, she was doing the right thing. She was. Yeah, she was teaching know. me. I was. I was a little, you know, a little pain in the neck, little kid. Yeah, you were. So, whatever. All right, Mikey. Where can the listeners uh, reach you if they want to reach out? Mikey Byrne twenty on Instagram. Uh, just shoot me an email. Um, whatever. I mean, they they want to find me. I'm sure they. And uh, get in touch if, if need be. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Really good talking to you. And I'll talk to you soon, okay? Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Mikey Byrne. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm really proud of what he's accomplished as a coach so far, and I know he's going to accomplish many more things as his career continues. So looking forward to following him and always rooting for him. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.